There he was in an airport in another state coming back to Texas. I saw him from the distance and I had three thoughts, three thoughts. Number one, how in the world is Kyle Vaughtmer dressed up in a costume when he hates Halloween so much? Second thought, second thought. Does he always travel in a Franciscan monk costume? Third thought, what other secrets is Kyle keeping from us? It was only when I got closer to this man did I realize he was an imposter. It wasn't the real Kyle Vachmer. And it was only those who really know Kyle well who could tell the difference. In the end times, Jesus said, many are gonna come in my name and they're gonna deceive many. He said in Matthew chapter 24, three and five, now as he sat on the Mount of Olives, the disciples came to him privately saying, tell us when will these things be and what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? And Jesus answered and said to them, take heed, let no one deceive you for many will come in my name saying I am the Christ and will deceive many. Turn with me to this chapter in your Bibles, to the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 24. It is one of the most interesting, but yet confusing chapters in the Bible. I'm sure you've read it, right? Many times and you've, you've scratched your head and you're like, what does this mean? When is this gonna happen? You've had all kinds of questions. How many of you have had some questions about end times? You've read through Revelation. You're like, I've read it over and over and I'm still not sure about it. The Bible wants you to have wisdom on this very important topic. There are some majors and there's some minors, all right? The majors is Jesus is coming back soon, amen? That's going to happen. There's some other events that are going to happen as well. Now the sequence of them happening is debatable. There are some secondary issues that are, that we should just be open handed about, all right? Let's not, let's not let those minor issues cause division in the church. We're gonna major on the majors and minor on the minors, lifting up the Holy Word and saying, Holy Spirit, reveal to us the truth that we know regarding the mysteries that are in the end times. So here's where we approach this scripture, this topic. Jesus is hanging out with his disciples in the Mount of Olives. They could see the temple, and, and Jesus is talking about the end times. He's predicting what's gonna happen years down the road. And his disciples are asking questions. They're like, when is this gonna happen? What are the signs? Like many of us, we're curious, right? We're like, there's something about the end times that is so intriguing, isn't it? It's so interesting. And so they had questions just like we had questions. And Jesus goes on to say in verse six, and you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not troubled, for all these things must come to pass. But the end is not yet, for nation will rise up against nation and kingdom against kingdom, and there will be famines, pestilences, and earthquakes in various places. And all these are the beginning of sorrows. Then they will deliver you up to tribulation and kill you, and you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. And then many will be offended and betray one another and hate one another. Then many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. And because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow what? Cold. 
but he who endures to the end shall be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations, and then the end will come. Wow. Some of you came to church to be encouraged and uh, now you're a little nervous, right? Maybe a little scared. Some of you get scared on Halloween because of haunted houses, scary movies, people dressed up like clowns, right? The Bible says, Jesus says, don't fear the one that can hurt the body, but fear the one that can, can cause the soul to be separated from God for eternity. Like what we get scared about on this day is nothing compared to the terror and the fear of the Lord that we should have if we are not right with God for the end of the days, because Jesus is coming back. And those who are not right with God, those who rejected him, the wrath of God will come upon them because God is a just God. He's a loving God. And the truth is in scripture. I wanna talk about three questions, three questions that are very commonly asked regarding the end times. And then we're gonna go to God's holy word for answers. The first question is, what exactly is gonna happen? Second question, when is it gonna happen? And then the third question, very practical, in response to these answers, how can we be ready? How can we be ready if we are already followers of Jesus, if we're in the church? And then those of you who are here today, and you've been drawn, you've been invited, but you know you are not right with God. You've got secret sins. You've not surrendered your life to Jesus. And as a result of the word of God being taught with the gospel being presented, with the Holy Spirit drawing you to himself, you're gonna, be, you're gonna have a, a moment of decision. But I want you to be ready. I want you to be ready. So let's start for the first question. What is going to happen? Now, when you look at this chapter, it's easy to muddy the waters regarding what Jesus is, gonna, is saying is gonna happen, what he predicts is what's gonna happen. Because sometimes you read a little bit, a few verses, and then you say, all right, that's gonna happen at, at the end of the days. But in reality, some of the things that Jesus said would happen would happen about 40 years later. For example, the destruction of the temple. Now the temple at that time was like the, I mean, this was like the center of, in the Jewish mind of all major events, right? Like, especially with, in, in regards to religion and, and all things related to faith. And Jesus predicted that there would be destruction. In AD 70, the Herod's temple was destroyed by the Romans. They dismantled it. Only to this day, there's a substructure. There's a, a great wall and that's it. And so this thing happened, but it happened in AD 70, not in the end of the days. And so what will happen? Where are we at in history according to, to scripture? And so I, I want you to see it as seven stages, seven stages Did you can see that first when Jesus came to this earth, uh, he died on a cross, right? He lived a sinless life. He lived a sinless life. He died on the cross as an atonement for our sins so we could be saved. And Acts chapter one, he rose from the dead, right? He rose from the dead and then he sent his Holy Spirit in Acts chapter two to the church. And this ushered in for the last 2000 years, the church age. That's the first stage or event. We are currently in that church age, right? And so what is the very next stage that's gonna happen that we can look forward to? That's the rapture of the church, the rapture of the church. Those who are righteous in the Lord, righteous Christians, those who have surrendered their life to Jesus, who love them, him with all of their heart, soul, and mind, 
both those who died and those who lived will be caught up in the air. We will have glorified bodies. Just like when Jesus died on the cross and then he came back to earth, like he, he had a glorified body. Some people were, were not even sure it was Jesus, but he had a glorified body. Much like that, we will have a, our bodies will be changed and we'll have a glorified body. Scripture says this, Paul, inspired by the Holy Spirit in 1 Corinthians 15, verse 51 and 52, behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet. He's saying, those of us who fall asleep, those of us who die, this is 2000 years ago. He's saying, those of us who are Christians, we're, we're not gonna stay dead. We're, we're gonna be caught up in the air. We're, we're, gonna, we're gonna be changed. In 1 Thessalonians 4, 17, he said, then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up. This is, I believe this could very well be us will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And thus we shall always be with the Lord. Praise God. Are you looking forward to the day? Is that your hope that we will always be with the Lord for eternity? And so that's the second stage that we will have. Uh, the, the first we're in, the, the church age. The second will be the rapture. And then the third stage will be the tribulation. This is a, a terrible season, seven years. And many people ask, well, the rapture of the church, is that going to happen? Some people believe it'll happen uh, pre-trib, pre-tribulation. Some people believe it'd be post-tribulation afterwards. I like those people personally. I, like, I don't believe that, but those are the people who have bunkers, cases of water, soup, guns, all that. They're ready, right? So um, I personally believe in pan-trib, neither pre nor post. I believe that it'll all pan out in the end. <laughs> all right. All right. Now, <laughs> now, truthfully, I personally believe that Jesus will take us and it'll either happen this is my personal opinion, either before or at the beginning of the tribulation. So what is the tribulation? This is the, you can read about in, in Revelation. We'll read a few of these verses, but this is a great tribulation. This is a terrible time. It's not a time to joke about. This is a time where God is judging the earth. In Matthew 24, 21, Jesus says, for then there will be a great tribulation such as not been since the beginning of the world until this time. No, nor not shall ever be. And unless those days were shortened, no flesh will be saved. But for the elect's sake, those days will be shortened. Seven years of tribulation. Not, Revelation 9, 15 says, so for the four angels who have been prepared for the hour and day and month and year were released to kill a third of mankind. These are demonic angels who have been bound for years and now they're gonna be released for this exact period of time and released by the sixth trumpet. Verse 18 of Revelation 9 says, by these three plagues, a third of mankind was killed. We're talking billions of people by the fire and the smoke and the brimstone which came out of their mouths. It was during this seven-year tribulation, we know scripture says in the Old Testament and the New Testament predicts that there will be a, a leader, a false Christ, an antichrist that will emerge. Second Thessalonians chapter two, verse three and four says, let no one deceive you by any means for that day will not come unless the falling away comes first. And the man of sin is revealed, the son of perdition who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God or that is, that is God. 
He will sit on God's throne in a rebuilt temple and demand worship from every single person. Daniel points out that there's gonna be things that are gonna happen before this false Messiah comes, this leader who will emerge. He will sign a covenant with Israel at the beginning of the tribulation. Halfway through, he will, he'll break that covenant. He will demand that everybody worship him. It will be a very terrible time. This is during the time that there will be two witnesses that will uh, preach the gospel. People will come to Jesus. Those two witnesses, the, the Bible says, will, will, be, will die. They'll be murdered. They'll be in the street. Every eye will see them. Today, back then when that was prophesied, it was like impossible. How can every eye on the earth see them? Today, because of technology, you can see how that would easily happen. But they will rise from the dead. And at that tribulation period, at the end of the seven years, it brings the next major event, which would be the second coming of Christ, the second coming of Christ. Did you know that in scripture, there are 18 prophetic passages in the Old Testament, 300 verses in the New Testament that predict the second coming of Jesus. There are more verses prophesying about the second coming of Jesus than the first coming of Jesus. It is going to happen. This is the blessed hope. Bible says, when the son of man comes in his glory and all the holy angels with him, then he will sit on the throne of his glory and all the nations will be gathered before him and he will separate them one from another as a shepherd divides his sheep from the goats. This is in Matthew 24. Jesus is saying there's a day that Jesus will come. He'll sit upon his throne and he will separate the sheep from the goats, his followers from the counterfeits, from those who have rejected him. Now tonight, some of you, your children will go out and trick or treat, right? They will bring back the candy and then you will separate the good candy from the bad. You will separate the Reese's peanut butter cups, good candy corn, bad, right? Can I get an amen? All right. You know what will also happen tonight? We will see children all over our community dress up in costumes. Some will dress up like little princesses. Some will dress up like Star Wars figures and superheroes. You know what concerns me? That there in the church are, are goats in sheep's clothing. You see, our kids are pretending to be somebody they're really not. And my great concern is that there are those in the church who pretend to be someone that they're not, that worship the Lord with their lips, but their hearts are far from him. And there will come a day where everything that has been said and done in secret will come to light. And Jesus sees it all now, my friends. And may we have a holy fear of God, that we live a holy life and that we are in right standing with him because we will face a holy God. And may we be separated to be one of his sheep of his pasture, amen? And this great tribulation, it, it will bring about the the day of the Lord, the day of the Lord, Matthew 24. This is what we were reading about. That this is the day of the Lord. The second coming of Christ will happen. And then the second coming, Jesus says in Matthew 24, 30, the second coming will be the beginning of great power and glory of Christ on the earth. Then the sign of the son of man will appear in heaven. And then all the tribes of the earth will mourn and they will see the son of man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. 
Now, all the tribes of the earth, all the people, those who have rejected, it says that, the Bible says that, Jesus says that there will be great mourning and grief. There will be sorrow. I believe it's in that moment that they will remember all the opportunities that they had, those moments that they had a friend witness to them, a moment where they had an invitation to church, a moment where they sat and they heard the gospel and they hardened their heart and they rejected God and they didn't surrender their life to Jesus. It's in that moment there will be a mourning of all mornings. There will be a deep and godly sorrow for their sins. They had an opportunity, but they missed it. Matthew 24, verse 31 says, the summit, second coming will also include the gathering of the elect and he will send his angels with a great sound of a trumpet and they will gather together his elect from the four winds and from one end of heaven to the other. The elect, who are the elect? The elect are those who have received Jesus, who surrendered their life to the Lord, his children, those from the past and those in the present will be gathered together. Those of you who have surrendered your life to Jesus and you are following him, look forward to that day. You should be like a bride looking forward to your groom coming. This should be something that should cause great joy and great peace in our hearts as we look forward. Because guys, let's be honest, the last couple of years have not been easy, have they? In hard times, they're only gonna get worse. But we can have a peace and our hope is not regarding our circumstances or what happens in our world. We can fix our eyes on Jesus and knowing that he is coming, that he is in control and that nothing surprises him. So the stage four is the day of the Lord. Stage five is, is the second coming of Jesus. The seventh stage is the millennium. This is the 1000 year reign where Jesus comes and, and with us reigns on earth for a thousand years, a thousand years. And during that time, there will be judgments. There will be the great white throne judgment will happen where all sinners who have rejected Jesus will give an account for their sins. It's in that moment, that moment of great terror that they will be separated for eternity, separated from God into hell where there will be gnashing of teeth and great torment for eternity. Then there will be another judgment, a judgment seat of Christ where all of... Jesus' followers will gather together and there'll be a great moment of celebration and honor where crowns and awards will be given for service. There'll be a great honor for martyrs of their faith that, that suffered great persecution, even died for their faith. There'll be a great moment of time with Jesus. And then the seventh and final stage for eternity, the Bible says that Jesus will, will create a new heaven and a new earth where there will be no sorrow, no more tears, that we will be in the presence of the Lord and glorified by whatever you enjoy here on earth. Imagine it being 10 hundred times better. I encourage you this week in your devotion time to read Revelation 21, what heaven will be like. I look forward to that day. I look forward to that day. So that's what's going to happen. That's what we can look forward to happening, that we can be ready, be prepared, have wisdom, we shouldn't be surprised. We shouldn't be ignorant regarding the end times. So what are the signs that these things are going to happen? We don't know for sure the exact hour. Jesus says in Matthew 24, 36, but of that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, but my father only. Therefore, you also be ready. We should what? Jesus says, be ready for the son of man is coming at an hour you do not expect. So although we not, may not know the exact moment, 
Jesus said there are signs to know that the end is coming. Now, every generation could make a, a case before us that they were living in the end times, but I can say with certainty that we are in a generation that's closer than any other before us, right? And that the signs that Jesus gives us that that season is approaching, he said, first, there will be false teaching. Imagine spiritual leaders that are kind of like politicians who would promise things that only people want to hear that would bring prosperity. Imagine spiritual teachers and preachers that, that they would deceive, that there would be a heresy taught. First Timothy 4.1 says, now the spirit expressly says that in the latter times, the end times, some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons. After Jesus ascended in the earth, one of the, the early heresies or false doctrines that was taught that was that Jesus didn't really resurrect from the dead, that he, he lives in our hearts. This is not a full gospel, that Jesus died on the cross. He rose from the dead. Many, many people saw him. He's alive forevermore. There will be other false teachings. There's a great teaching that is, emerging in the current church today, and that is an affirmation of sexual sin. It's being tolerated more and more. A great concern as I see through media devices, and then recently, those of you who are on Facebook have heard the announcement of the meta universe that, that there's gonna be the Oculus glasses and virtual reality that you'll be able to shop and interact. And, and, and I'm sure there will be good things that come from it, but my concern is how easily that sexual perversion will come into the hearts of men and our children. I'm greatly concerned about this. I'm greatly concerned that this is becoming more and more tolerated. I'm greatly concerned that this is a false teaching and heresy that there are openly gay ministers that say sexual perversion is okay in the church and you can be in right standing with God and be in sexual sin. This is false teaching, my friends. And you must guard your hearts. Instead of listening to a YouTube preacher to get your tenets of your faith? Would you take God's holy word and would you study in your, in your secret closet? Would you abide and be so in love with Jesus that you don't wanna allow your faith to grow cold or lukewarm, but you correctly handle the word of God. Each of you, you take responsibility. You teach it to your children. You make disciples, you know it. Understand it and guard your hearts. That's the only way you can really protect yourself knowing what the word of God says. Jesus said there will be other signs. There will be wars and rumors of wars. We see that happening increasingly in the news, don't we? The tensions that's happening in our world today. It says that there will be earthquakes. There will be great pandemics. There will, there will be pestilences. There will be increasing persecution. It's happening, isn't it? It's happening in places like the Middle East. We see people who are Christians who are martyred, who are brutally murdered for their faith in Jesus. And we have always been grateful for living in the United States because we have great freedom for our faith. But the tide is turning, my friends. The tide is turning. Know that it is true that the convictions that we share in the word of God will soon, if not already, be considered hate speech. And we will be persecuted. Last Sunday night, I was on a date with my wife with another couple in our church. After a great meal, I was in the parking lot and someone came to me from afar and chewed me out with great hatred and vengeance. She said, you call yourself a pastor. But it's because I taught convictions in the word of God. 
and we had to remove someone in spiritual leadership from another campus because of a decision and a lifestyle that they chose to live. This is a, maybe not the same persecution that Christians are facing in the Middle East, but there's gonna be more and more persecution, but I'm grateful that I'm receiving that kind of response rather than an appreciation for excusing sin. Amen? That we've got to hold firm to the convictions and our faith. And it should, persecution should not cause us to be fearful. It should not cause us to drift away from our faith. You may not have that grace now before persecution comes, but I want all of us to be ready. For if that day comes, God will give you a grace. Find peace in that. That it would be a great honor to suffer persecution for the cause of Jesus. Another sign that the end of times is, is approaching is one world government. Now the Bible doesn't specifically use that phrase, but there will come a time where countries will come together. It says in Revelation 13, the beast I saw resembled a leopard, but had feet like those of a bear and a mouth like that of a lion. The dragon gave the beast his power and his throne and great authority. The beast I saw resembled a leopard, but had feet like those of a bear and a mouth like that of a lion. The dragon gave the beast his power and his throne and great authority. All inhabitants of the earth will worship the beast. All whose names have not been written in the Lamb's book of life, the lamb who was slain from the creation of the world. This is Jesus. So what would cause every country to come together? Imagine the crisis that it would take. And we've seen moments like the Arab League and the European Union. That's not what this is happening, but you can, can maybe kind of a precursor of all countries coming together with one world government, one world money system, one world leader, and that would be the Antichrist. Now, another question that people ask regarding the end times and the signs is what about the mark of the beast? That's kind of confusing. We should have wisdom regarding matters that are confusing. Revelation 13, verse 15 said, the second beast will be was given power to give breath to the image of the first beast so that the image could speak and cause all who refused to worship the image to be killed. It also forced all people, great and small, rich and poor, free and slave, to receive a mark on their right hands or on their foreheads so that they could not buy or sell unless they had the mark, which is the name of the beast or the number of his name. This calls for wisdom. Let the person who has insight, calculate the number of the beast, for it is the number of man, the number is 666. There's a lot of confusion here and we need wisdom. I remember when I was younger and I remember people in the church that when, when social security cards were issued, they didn't wanna have a social security card because their number was, uh, that was the mark of the beast. That was the number of man. I would have only personally been worried if they actually had the words, the number 666 in the, like, can I have a new number? But other than that, like that wasn't the mark of the beast. I, I know that we've had parents concerned about having, and when they check in their children of having that, that label put on there, like, I don't want that label. That's, that's the mark of the man. That's the mark of the beast. Just people very fearful about it. I, I've, have you heard people even with the, the vaccine? They don't want to get the vaccine because there's a microchip and that micro, is that the mark of the beast? Like you've heard that, right? People very sincere, wondering. And, and I know that there's a lot of confusion, even on the vaccine. Our church does not have an official stance on this matter. We trust you to make the wise decision for your own body. But when it comes to the, this, this issue, there's a lot of controversy. There's a lot of controversy in the church. 
And I empathize with those of you who are military and you have a conviction against this, but you are maybe in the medical field or big business and you're being forced. There's almost a mandate. There's a mandate to be vaccinated. Don't let there be a spirit of fear come over you. And, and also, can we as a church family agree not to let this be a, a, an event that I think maybe in the future we'll look back and it's not nearly as big of a deal as it, it seems right now. But let's not let this cause division in our church family or in our small groups. This is a minor issue. Let's be open-handed about this and respect each other's decision, right? So what about the mark of the beast? It, it, I, I want you to know, like in Deuteronomy 6, in a very similar way, on the right hand, the forehead, the, the word of God says, let there be a mark. And they would literally put a phylactery and they would put God's, the, the, the Shema, hero Israel, the Lord your God is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Like this is a commitment. I believe that the mark of the beast, whether it may very well be literal, like an invisible tattoo that we can't buy or sell with it. But I, I believe more than what happens physically is this inter, internal rejection of Jesus and an adherence and worship to an antichrist. It's not gonna take anybody by surprise. You're not gonna accidentally get the mark of the beast and stand before God one day and, and, and God saying, well, you, you surrendered your life to, G, to me at a young age and you lived, you made disciples, you grazed your children in the fear of the Lord, but you accidentally got the mark of the beast. And not gonna, it's not gonna be like that. We should have peace in that, okay? There's a lot of confusion here and I don't want it to be confusing. Let's get down to the third question. How can we be ready? How can we be ready? Proverbs, or Matthew 24, verse six says, see that you are not troubled. In other words, don't be afraid about these things. Don't worry, don't be anxious, be courageous, be brave, all right? Our hope is in Jesus. He's our father, he's a good God, all right? Scripture says in verse 12, and because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. Stay in love with Jesus, my friends. Abide with him. Draw close in community in your small group. Don't walk alone, but walk with the Lord. How else can you be ready? Matthew 24, 38 and 39 says, for as in the days before the flood, this was a time of great violence and wickedness. It says that they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day that, that Noah entered the ark and did not know until the flood came and took them all away. So also will be coming the son of man be. My friends, can I encourage you to be holy before the Lord, to be set apart. This will be a day where you're gonna see many images of, of, of your friends and people in the world that will they will be dressing up and more and more, it seems like every year there's more scandalous costumes on Halloween and there's gonna be partying and drinking and, and drunkenness and celebration of evil. May we not be caught up in this, my friends, but may we be set apart. May we walk in light and not in darkness. How else can we be ready? May we show grit. Matthew 24, verse 13 says, but he who endures to the end shall be saved. Church family, I wanna encourage you to show some grit, to not quit, to not drift from your faith, to not cause fear to take over, but hold true to the tenets of your faith. Jesus loves you. He wants to walk with you. He sent his Holy Spirit to give you power and boldness. 
Matthew 24, 10 says, and then many will be offended and betray one another and will hate one another. Let's make a decision to be unoffendable, not easily offended. Let's be unified and loyal to each other and loyal to the cause of Christ, amen? Very practically, I wanna encourage you to take care of the poor as the day of the Lord approaches. It's close to the heart of Jesus. Many of these, the parables that Jesus teaches in Matthew 24 and 25 are for us to, to take care of the poor, to not be so inward and selfish, but may we look ever more for those who are not right with God and have a conviction and a burden to help those in need to help those who are spiritually lost, to help the orphans and the widows, to help our neighbor in need. Matthew 24, 14, Jesus says, and this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations and then the end will come. Why are we as a church, so passionate about soul winning, so passionate about making disciples, so passionate about starting churches here and all over the world, it's because we love Jesus and we wanna be obedient to him. He says to preach the gospel, to make disciples evermore as we look forward to the day coming. These are the days of light. We must redeem the days, the days are evil. And may we have a collective urgency and a passion to walk humbly before the Lord, dependent upon his power of his Holy Spirit. Each of us should take responsibility for the people around us to share our faith, to have boldness, to be soul winners, to make disciples of our children, to make disciples. It should be a great honor. It should be something we lean forward and look forward to doing as a great honor. It's about the kingdom of God, building his kingdom and advancing his kingdom. So Father, we thank you. We thank you, you are a great God. Jesus, we know you came to this earth and you died on the cross for our sins. You've ascended, you've erased from the dead and you're, you're gonna come back soon. One day, I believe any day now, we're gonna be caught up in the air with you. Lord, I pray that as a church family that we would be ready, that you would quicken us in our spirits where we have become lukeform, lukewarm. I pray that we would take responsibility, that we would have awareness, that we would be sensitive to the conviction of your spirit, to become passionate in our relationship with you, passionate about the works of the kingdom like never before. Open up our eyes, awaken us from our sleep and our slumber. We wanna stand before you, Father, as a bride without spot or wrinkle. Help us, Lord. Help us, Father, to be ready. Help us to be ready. We worship you. Would you prepare your hearts, my friends? Would you be sensitive to the Holy Spirit as we worship him together?